Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. to go on Wes and Walker. We're up with you until 3 o'clock. That's, what, uh, what was that? That's the Roots off the Game Theory album. Mm. Um, what is the song called, Fiddy? In the Music. In the Music, yeah. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah, so False Media. I think Game Theory, that's my second favorite album ever from them. Philadelphia Half-Life is better, but I'm going to go Game Theory as my second favorite. I don't know if there's any refute there. Probably not too many people wanting to argue about the roots. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text into the Garage Door Guru text line. Now, I do imagine there are some people that want to talk and slash argue about NCAA football video games. We were talking about this during the break. You two brought it up about the limitations of recruiting, right? And we were comparing that to real life. What were you guys discussing the limitations from some of the video games you were playing compared to real life? Yeah, man. It was like, like I said, with Georgia, they proved this year with the reloading I was like, I remember the NCAA that had T-Bone, and that Alabama, they were just ridiculous. I mean, they had 96 overall starters and then 93 overall backups, and I said, that was Georgia. They just had 92s and 93s waiting for their chance to come out there and become 99. Would you always go Wake Forest when you played the video game? No. You no, would, you would I go, did dynasties with a lot of different teams. So because they would not give you the benefit of the doubt as far as recruiting goes, right? No, I just like, I mean, I'm very, you know, optically influenced, if that's a term. So uniform, stadium, all that played Optically into, influenced. Yeah, okay. uniform, stadiums. I mean, I did a dynasty with Kentucky one time. Where I, sometimes I would go back and I would create, like I'd take a sorry team and I'd create like three or four players that were going to change my program around. I'd make up stories, only child stuff. I would make up stories about them. All this stuff. What do you mean you'd make up stories about I'd make about up background would, stories about Would him. you write them on a piece of paper? No, I just had them in my head. I'd be like, I'm going to make up this guy. And his dad just came home. And his brother. And <laughs> Wait, none what? of the schools wanted him. And Kentucky stuck with him. And that's why he's here. Did you? So you never named some of the players you created as yourself, though? Like you would No, I never put myself John in a game. I would, and I would make up. I would do different things. Like I might have. I might say, all right, this time around, I want to do NFL players' sons or little brother but different <laughs> stuff like that like i might make a you know before he was born i guess a, a deon sanders jr or michael Irvin. this is jr. peter warwick jr yeah coming like out i would do that florida yeah, and i would rabbits. make them nasty and i wouldn't recruit them i'd let them go somewhere else so then i could play against them okay yeah, yeah man a, a little alternate yeah reality man i used to West be fun. fun i used to love to do that and, and this was just like last week you were doing this right? <laughs> no nah, i did dynasties <laughs> with georgia florida i mean i was a big florida state fan when i was a kid so i did it with them first but i mean georgia wake georgia was probably my favorite dynasty that i did yeah somebody and wrote, wake i went on a hundred game winning streak with wake though. well yeah you you don't lose i mean you quit if you or not maybe no not no you. i went through well yeah, if you weren't already just a monster enough, then yeah. you would. If you were about yeah, to lose, cold hard hundred. Fitty, would plus. you would you quit if you were about to lose in one of your seasons? How often would you do it? <laughs> like Reset. when I was like when I first got into it, yes, I I would quit if a player would get hurt. Because mm-hmm. remember, if a player got hurt and you even quit the game, there was a glitch to where that player would still be hurt if you tried to replay the game. 
Right. Unless you cut your system all the way off. As I got older, like once I got into like NCAA 12, 13, 14, if I got beat, I got beat because like, I had the sliders to make the game more difficult. So if I got beat, I got beat. I did that too. So so one of the things that I would do is the, speaking of the sliders, I would I would bring out it was all just because of a joke and I wanted some laughs from my friends. But mm -hmm. what I would do is I would create a player and I would make them as fat as you possibly can make them, mm -hmm. and I would make them as tall as you possibly can make them. So you in middle school? I had yeah. a little cousin. It was exactly that right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would and I would make them you know running back. So you'd have you'd have a, a seven footer that weighed four hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> And also, ninety nine feet ran a four three. Yeah, and I would name him Tater Salad. Yeah, and I named <laughs> and another player I named Nainer Puddin. Yeah. Those guys, if I created players, put those guys on, it was awesome. Yeah, I was doing real hardcore tid jerking type of background. You really were, my guys. You really yeah, were. It was, it was my guys. It was life or death for them. Your guys. Your video creators or the the character creator that you had, you should be having a HBO movie made. I about should, that. yo. I mean, I made guys that just, you know, it was it was everything for them. Um, somebody, <laughs> yeah, eight four seven number wrote in. Y'all got me ready to break out the PS. Let's go get it. Uh, seven zero four said Fitty probably rage quits, which I I used to do too, just to be just to tell you. Uh, seven zero four, yeah, you're not alone, Wes. Somebody else used to do that same thing, yeah. create stories for characters. I've never met anybody that did that. I used to make up radio shows and all that. Straight. <laughs> well, how would you do it? Would I you? would just do it like I like I said, man, true on child. But like I said, I'm a creative. I'd be in my head, true only child stuff. I would make up radio shows. Like after I would play my games, mm -hmm. like I'd be chilling and I would act like, you know, I was hosting a show and I would talk about the different players I had, do fake interviews, all that stuff. Uh, Jamal said that he <laughs> would use movie football players and then put those guys oh, yeah. in yeah. video games. Okay. Yeah. What I would do is... Shane I, Falco, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. And plus, you had the slider for Shane Falco. The heart is at 100, okay? Yeah. Like, he, Shane Falco played <laughs> with all the heart in the world. I would do the whole North Carolina fan thing, and I would get the Panthers, and then I would just make every player a Tar Heel. Yeah. So I had Greg Ellis... Russian from one side, Vonnie Holiday, Julius yeah. Peppers, all in the defensive line. I had Ekuban. I, I did all of that stuff. But the creative players would never be as good as you wanted them to be. Like when you let them go to a computer control school, they'd never be as good as you wanted them to be. Mm -hmm. No, I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. And I make them nasty, and they would just never be in the Heisman running well, or anything like that. If you simulated the game, then it would never go to where the rating said, right? Like if you if you had a roster that it was at least ninety three or above everywhere else, and then you simulated a, a season, it yeah. would go twelve and four, eleven and five. When yeah. honestly, they should probably be going undefeated because yeah. of the sliders that you set up. Yeah. Somebody else, I could not agree with this more. Oh six is the best college football game ever. It's my favorite. When they introduced the race for the Heisman and they had all the mini games on that, my favorite video game. Of I know all time. the years, but I'd also go by the covers. Desmond my favorite Howard. was Desmond. De that's Carson that's Palmer. Desmond Howard's 06. Yeah, Carson Palmer's was dope because that's when they introduced, I believe, the game breaker. Even though I didn't like that because they cut it and then go to the split screen mm -hmm. and then they do all that, I cut that off. But the Tim Tebow one was my favorite. Tim Tebow, I did have that one yeah, too. Yeah, that was my favorite. Was there a worse video game feature? Then 06 Madden with Donovan McNabb on the cover, and they implemented QB vision. Do you oh, remember that? Oh, that was trash. So anytime you had a different quarterback, the only guy you could be successful with, it was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning could see like three quarters of the field. He could see behind him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the only guy you could get as your QB and feel good because I just did not want to deal with that right analog stick. Did you ever do it, though, like if you did franchise and you had like a rookie? And he could only see like 
Oh, it I was hated it. awful. Wes, I didn't play with anybody else other than the Colts that year. <laughs> because I hated terrible. moving the vision because you would throw so you would throw interceptions if you it didn't move so the vision. Because even with Donovan McNabb on the cover, it wasn't wide as you would like it. I mean, yeah, that was that was the worst feature. What was your favorite feature? My favorite feature was it like truck stick. Or truck like- stick was fun. I mean, in NCAA 06, the circle button was unstoppable. You yeah. if you spun by done oh yeah now the spin the spin move that once that at least at the beginning they made it harder so it wasn't so undefeated as the game would go on but the spin move i loved it on yo but what was illa though so i i cut it out where they would go to the screen where it was like the game breaker type of deal but when your player when they put that feature in when the uh the, the thing, the circle under the player started throbbing. Oh, yeah. And they were hot, and you give them the ball, and they do something insane with the rock. Oh, that was sick. Is there a better feeling than coming up with a user interception playing a football video game? Because if you switch over mid-throw, yeah. right? They're throwing deep. You switch your player to the safety, or you switch it to the cornerback, and then you press triangle at the right time. Yeah. Me and my brothers would also add some points on to whoever had more user picks yeah. because we felt that was the biggest sign of skill yeah. in the video game. Yeah, the kids now though they give you hell about that. They don't play that. The they, user they, picks. Yeah, stuff? about the switching, switching. They what? don't, they don't play that. Why? They just let the computers. No, do they it? do it themselves. These, these no, gamers, that's what I'm saying though. But you, yeah, because you could only. Control no, I'm saying, one but they would, defense. they would, they would control their guy like the whole time. Like if you come and make a tackle and you switch off, like if you control a guy and you come to make a tackle and you switch off and let the computer do it, uh, they look, they frown upon that. No, but but right, yeah. yeah. But, but, but I know saying, you're saying you switching on yes. to do it yourself, right? Yeah. So you so you switch yeah. from the computer and then you control the player that yeah. is the closest yeah, person yeah. to make play. And if the you user, yeah, if you would have come up with the interception, yeah. user. Is there, what's the angriest? I I remember one time that the angriest, I got in a fight with my friend over this because Mm -hmm. of course, but I came back from five touchdowns down because I was able to recover about four onside kicks in a row. Oh, he was angry. And it was, it was Texas, Virginia Tech, Vince Young, Marcus Mm -hmm. Vick, because those, those quarterbacks were unstoppable Mm -hmm. in that game. And so that was as angry as I've seen. I know you, you talked about getting a fight with your cousins before, right? No, I hate, um. I would hate, like, I had one friend that he would find something that worked and would do it over. And he would legit run the same play over and over and over and over until I stopped it. And I remember one game, it was one of the most satisfying wins I ever had. When I finally figured out, he would run, like, this five-wide set with three wideouts to the left. The inside, the most inside receiver would run her out. Mm-hmm. And so that, even though I was in man coverage, nobody would get him because he was the linebacker's responsibility. Once I figured out I'd run that dime and I would play with Texas and Derek Johnson, and once I started user taking him out wide pre-snap to put him on the receiver, and he would jam him, and then when I got that pick six, oh, it was the best. We had some texts coming in, 704-570-9610, 704 number wrote in, hit stick changed the game. That was there. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of his stick because I always thought it was so unrealistic. Well, the angriest I get in football games is when your player fumbles because you can't control it. Yes. So if you throw an interception, okay, you might get a little wild and try to throw it in double coverage and then you deserve the interception. But if somebody fumbles it and I guess you get a hit stick, some of that is controllable. Truck stick was good too. Truck stick was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely (laughs) fun. I did a a dynasty on, I mean, a franchise on man. I I did one season I did with the Jets and I traded for Deuce McAllister. Mm -hmm. 
when Deuce McAllister was like the man, <laughs> bro, he single-handedly took me to the Super Bowl. And that truck stick was vicious. And with Ricky Williams, the year he ran for 1,800. Yeah, 980 oh. number rode in. Blocked kicks and onside kicks. They made it so it became possible to block some kicks, but for a while, you couldn't do it. I mean, it was impossible to block a kick. Yeah, and then, um, but on the NCAAs we were talking about, if you really time the snap, you could just blow the offensive lineman up and go get the, the sack. Like, you could just knock him flat on his back. Bro, my defensive ends, I own the Lombardi. I used to yeah. get 33, 35 sacks a year with my defensive ends just blowing up the tackles because I would get off pre-snap. Somebody wrote in Shannon Sharp crossing route was fire every single play. I agree. The drag route was the most oh, unstoppable. Yeah, like the drag, the, the drag yeah. route is the most I mean, unstoppable. that's in football for real. That's yeah. a hard route to stop it, if you're a man. It absolutely is. Yeah. All right, let's let's try to get at least a couple <laughs> takes on the Charlotte Hornets before we go back to some Carolina Panthers news. Yeah. We are at the exact midpoint of the season here, Wes. We have seen 41 games come and go and the Hornets have 11 victories in the first half of the year so I'm going to ask you two things real quickly do you think the Hornets will be sellers in a month when the trade deadline hits on February 9th and if so what do you think the record will be if they decide to get a couple of uh, rid of a couple guys or keep the same team what kind of record do you expect the second half I don't know that they'll be sellers because Cupcheck has come out many times before when people wanted him to do that and has always said that I won't mortgage the franchise for uh, this, that, and the third, even though he would be gaining some capital. But I think if he doesn't see some obvious uh, some obvious upgrades to, mm-hmm. I guess, draft capital and things of that nature, I don't know that they will because I also think that with them finally getting healthy, I think they finally kind of want to see what this team will look like at full strength or close to full strength. So I'm not sure that they will. Yeah, I don't think they will either, and it's because I just don't think the value is going to be there, and I've kind of been on this the last couple of weeks, but as we've seen the direction this franchise is headed this year, even if I want to give the Hornets some credit for playing better this weekend, they got the huge win against Milwaukee, they played well against Indiana, they just lost to a team that has been playing better also this year than expected. They are right in the playoff race, not play-in. Indiana is, I believe, the sixth seed as it stands right now. So trading Gordon Hayward, who wants him on that contract? The only valuable part about him right now is that it's expiring. And if he's healthy, he helps you. But that's a big if, and it's a lot of money to have attached to a big Mm -hmm. if. Terry Rozier, outside of Milwaukee, has not been playing well this year. He's got a huge contract. So how much can you trade him for? Mason Plumlee and P.J. Washington are going to be the two names to watch out for. Even Kelly Oubre, who's injured right now, maybe a team views him valuable, but... He's on an expiring contract, so if you trade for him, you're talking about, what, 20 games? And if you get 20, 25 games from him, do you really want to give up something valuable to have a 25-game rental of Kelly Oubre? It's not Donovan Mitchell rental. It's Kelly Oubre rental. So I don't think that's going to happen. I did hear Bobby Marks pitch on the Zach Lowe podcast that, hey, if you wanted, if Golden State was looking to make a trade, make a trade to kind of just build up some of their resources they can go to in the postseason— Bobby Marks posed P.J. Washington and Mason Plumley, who played well this weekend, in exchange for James Wiseman and Moses Moody. We can get to a deal or no deal thing tomorrow, but is that something that you would entertain? Moses Moody, James Wiseman, first round pick out of Arkansas and Moses Moody, who I liked coming out of the draft and actually played some big minutes in the postseason last year as a rookie, 
um, or two years ago, I should say. I forget when he was drafted, but it was soon. And then James Wiseman, of course, the second overall pick in front of LaMelo. Do you like those guys as reclamation projects if it means moving off of PJ, who is set to make probably 15 or something mm-hmm. in that neighborhood per year, and Mason Plumley, who I have no problem getting rid of? Uh, no, nah, because, you know, if I'm going to move off PJ Walker, I can wait and do that and not bring in guys because, like I said, with the emergence of Mark Williams, why would I want to bring in another young senator that's still looking to be a starter yeah. and all that stuff at this point? So I wouldn't want to clutter up my my center position if I feel like I've got the guy so I would say no at this point what about you Fiddy let's get your uh, opinion on this because people do want to hear Fiddy a little bit more I feel like you're you're just doing a lot of Correa stuff over there am I right about that no I just feel you just you feel (laughs) you seem very busy and I feel like it's a lot of Carlos Correa stuff. What are you doing? Uh, I'm getting ready to send an EAS whenever we go to break. Okay. You know, I'm doing some dynamic producing stuff. Okay. At this point, I don't think it you're getting you're getting pennies on the dollar anyway. Mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, they're not gonna be parts of a team that are gonna get you where you want to get to with LaMelo Ball, with maybe LaMelo Ball and Victor Wembanyama if you finish with the worst record and get the number one pick in the draft. And I think that's got to be the goal is that I think if you play, if, if you keep these guys and you play out this season, you're probably going to win too many games moving forward to give yourself the best position, the best chance to get a top two pick. Yeah. We talked about this on the lockdown Hornets podcast and Doug said he expects if they don't sell, if they keep the roster as is, then you might win 15 games. Well, that would be equivalent to what the Orlando magic have done in the first half. And they're the third worst team in the Eastern conference. They're the fifth worst team overall. Well, if you're the fifth worst team overall with 15 wins, then that means you don't have a top three shot at Wimby or Scoot Henderson. So it's crazy to say 15 might be too much and 15 doesn't get you in the play in. So it's actually the worst spot to be in at the end of the regular season. Yeah, man, we'll see how all of it develops as the year goes on. But the Hornets right now did not go well for them in the first half. A lot of that is due to injury. A lot of that is due to them not acquiring anybody else this offseason after the Miles Bridges news broke. We can get to some more of that later on. I do want to talk more about the coaching candidates for the Carolina Panthers coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. I, I just right now we should start the show. The Carolina Panthers continue to conduct coaching searches with a bunch of different guys that are at least being inquired about the offensive coordinator, some of the young minds that are out there right now. David Tepper abiding by that philosophy. Also, Steve Wilkes interviewing for the permanent head coaching um, job today. And Jim Caldwell, maybe not fitting the young bill. Jim Caldwell been in the NFL for quite some time, but does fit the offensive bill being one of those bright minds and is someone with experience having been with the Detroit Lions, did a good job with them. Also, we can go back to the Colts filling in for Tony Dungy. Once Tony Dungy hung him up, Jim Caldwell came in and uh, uh, didn't go to the, uh, did go to the Super Bowl and um, did coach a, a very successful regular season with the Indianapolis Colts. Feel free to text in and tell us who you would like to have as the next head coach and which one of these candidates you would like to uh, see as the permanent head coach Going forward, 704. If not Wilkes or including Wilkes? I mean, all of them. You know, Wilkes and then even one of these candidates, you know, one of these guys that you might think is better than Wilkes or just one of the candidates that interests you more. Gotcha. 704 570 
9610. So here are the guys that are mentioned right now. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Shane Steichen, the Panthers have requested an interview with, 37-year-old offensive mind. He's worked with Philip Rivers, with the Chargers, when he was a few years younger than Philip Rivers and helped coach him at the very end of his career and his time with L.A. Justin Herbert had one year with the rookie quarterback as he was transitioning into the NFL. And now you've seen him work with Jalen Hurts, who had probably as big an improvement of any quarterback from last year to this year. Maybe Tua was a guy that was there at the first half of the season, but that's really started to fall off. So Jalen Hurts, what he's done. Trevor Lawrence, maybe? Yeah. Best quarterback the last second half of the season? Yeah, in the mix, 100%. I think Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, if you wanted to go with either of those guys, cool with me. Jalen Hurts, though, MVP conversation, absolutely has improved as much as anyone. That's the case for Shane Steichen. Ben Johnson has done an excellent job play calling for the Detroit Lions. We saw that on full display against the Green Bay Packers where he put on a clinic and he emptied out the notebook. He turned it over. He shook out all the pages and all of the fun plays came out against Green Bay to send the Packers home without a shot to get into playoff contention. Something that made both of you as happy as I've seen you over someone's failure. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers not getting to the postseason. And we already talked a little bit about Jim Caldwell. Mike Kafka, he was a longtime Kansas City Chief guy under Andy Reid. He's now with Brian Dable for the New York Giants and has done a good job with that offense. So Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, Mike Kafka, and you also have Jim Caldwell a part of this process too. Which one of these guys intrigue you the most when I'm talking about some of those offensive coordinators, some of those young offensive minds, Wes? Which one would you go with? Well, out of the young guys, if I had to choose one, I think I would go with Ben Johnson because, like I said, of the creativity that I saw uh, in that in that Packers game. I'm not sure if he was the one that decided because I know they talked about how, you know, the Lions weren't afraid to go for it on fourth down in different junctures this season. So I'm not sure if he's the one. I know that, uh, you know, the head coach is the one that's going to make that call in most cases, uh, Campbell. But I just like, like I said, the creativity and just like I said, how that offense really started to put things together. Now you have to have the offensive line to do that. And I think the Panthers are starting to go in that direction, having a really good offensive line but you know he just I like the creativity I saw from him yeah I mean he's a North Carolina guy was a walk-on quarterback at UNC you know he is young as we've mentioned 36 years old and the Lions finished fifth in total offense and scoring offense this season I mean it was remarkable Ben Johnson a North Carolina guy Fiddy how would you like to welcome him as the new head coach uh he I mean he's he's really high up there because we got the local ties that offense in Detroit is is a lot of fun to watch. Um, the the thing that I think Panther fans have to be worried about if they go the offensive route is how much is the Steichen, the Ben Johnson, how much is that the personnel that those two teams have? And you look at Carolina's personnel, and they don't have the same type of playmakers that those teams have, which makes it more plausible for the Panthers to not draft a quarterback at nine and to draft another offensive weapon. And I think that's what's going to happen. If they go away from Wilkes, as much as I don't think they need to draft a quarterback anyway, if they bring in an offensive-minded coach, they're going to get that guy another weapon or two because that's what those guys have at their disposal in Philadelphia and Detroit. Well, the thing you bring up uh, about the styles and if they have the personnel, I think is a good point. And I will say that uh, that's why I would probably want Ben Johnson more because 
he created a dynamic offense with a pure drop-back passer. Jared Goff is not going to uh, wow anybody with his running ability, so I think that's impressive for him to be able to take a drop-back passer. Two pretty good running backs, one of them uh, especially, you know, that Walker hated on has 17 touchdowns. But, uh, you know, a couple of good backs, you know, and the receiving core might not be – well, like I said, even with Detroit's uh, receiving core, you're talking St. Brown – and then they have some other guys around him who are decent parts, but not world beaters. Now, I do think Jameson Williams is going to be a, a really good football player. Right. But I think with the parts and what he did it with, the offensive line drove a lot of that. But he didn't have this star-studded, loaded offense that he made into a top-five unit in the NFL. And like I said, a pure drop-back passer. So I think it's more plausible for him to be able to do more with less ingredients. So I, I think it's a really talented pool of candidates. I like a lot of them, to be honest with you. I don't think there's anybody I dislike. Shane Steichen, I understand you kind of going with the Lions personnel and saying Ben Johnson did more with that personnel. And I think that's true. Now, some of this comes to our disagreement about the quarterback spot because I don't think Jared Goff is as good as you two think. That would actually hurt y'all's argument about Ben Johnson. Whoa, Did you not watch him outdo Aaron Rodgers in a winner go home game? And first of all, I don't yeah, make it seem like I think he's Joe Montana. I just said the way he's playing this season. He's played really good ball he's this playing season. Like Joe Montana I don't think he's a great player. <laughs> you think he's yeah, Joe I don't, I don't, I'm not saying Jared Goff's a great player, but he's turned the corner and had a a really good year when a lot of people wrote him off and I think that's in large part because of Ben Johnson and the offensive coordinator because it's not like he was great with Detroit before this so they were there I mean they might have moved on at quarterback but Ben Johnson has done a great job play calling and give their general manager a lot of credit as well for building the offensive line making that one of the better units in all of the NFL and then investing and in hitting on Amon Ross St. Brown who's an absolute monster at the wide receiver spot DJ Chark is a real smart shrewd pickup on the free agent market Jamison Williams and even play so anyways yes Ben Johnson, the question about him, is he, is he ready for this yet? Because he's a great play caller. If you want to bring him on, that's fantastic. But it's a little bit different when you when you move up as a head coach. And so, is he too young? That's the question that you have about Johnson. Shane Steichen is interesting. He's very interesting to me. Because you're seeing two different programs now, two different franchises, where Steichen has had success. It's coaching Justin Herbert in his rookie year, where Herbert was awesome. And as soon as he steps on the field in that primetime game against the Saints, I think it was like Thursday night football, something like that, Herbert was a monster. And Steichen did a lot to help him. He comes over to Philadelphia, and he's able to have what is a really nice rushing offense. They were first in 2021 when total yards are accounted for, and they were first in overall touchdowns, okay? They were an excellent rushing offense. That didn't change at all. They were still a monster rushing offense this year. And then you look at the passing offense under Shane Steichen this season. They were 23rd in attempts, did not pass the ball at an above average rate, but they were ninth in total yards. That is an amazing offense. When you run and you are first accounted for in touchdowns all season long, you're fifth in total yards this season when it comes to your rushing offense, but then you're also ninth in total passing yards and you're 14th right at average in passing touchdowns. What that says to me is that you have an identity where you're a physical football team, but you also hit on the big play a lot. Yes, talented receivers up there, no doubt about it, that's going to help. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, studs, absolutely. But he took advantage of them, and I'm not going to write off a Shane Steichen 
for taking advantage of his personnel, which just so happens to be some awesome receivers on the outside. And Jalen Hurts has been developed into what is a good quarterback, a guy that was in the MVP race before he got hurt. So love Steichen. Really like Ben Johnson, too. I think that guy is an awesome play caller. I just Steichen has done it with a couple of different franchises. Jim Caldwell has his success, too. And I like Mike Kafka because he was with the Kansas City Chiefs for so long. Also has a nice resume with Brian Dayball, his one-year OC, even though he's not calling plays, one-year OC with the Giants. So I really like this entire pool of candidates. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to try to make this decision and see if any of these guys overtake Steve Wilkes. Wes, what qualities, if you were going to go a different route, would you like most to have supplant Steve Wilkes as the interim and eventually become that permanent? Offensive creativity. So all these guys kind of have that. Yeah, Yeah. just offensive creativity as far as, you know, if I had to choose one, uh, you know, reason to to be able to come out to the press conference to tell people why I chose him over a candidate that was probably just the fact that, you know, I feel like I want more, I want my offense to be more dynamic, to be able to compete at the levels I want to compete at. And I'm not sure that ground and pound, you know, it's going to do that for me on a regular basis, but also – the creativity plays into not just the fact that you like to pass more, but it just comes to the fact that you can give me more more pitches to throw in a football game. If I get down 14, do you have the type of offense? Can you make the type of adjustments to get me back into the game quicker? Or, you know, if we're up, can you give me some creativity in the running game to where teams don't think I'm just going to line up and just run it straight up the gut, three straight plays to try to burn clock? Can you give me – that's the one thing I do like about Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. is that in obvious run situations, I think that's when he does his best work is cooking up those creative run plays when they are obvious running situations. So we had a few texts come in. Feel free to join the conversation, 704-570-9610. Bud Lightyear wrote in that they uh, destroyed the Panthers' defense. Remember, they destroyed the Carolina, the Detroit Lions' offense. And so, you know, that was, I mean, not destroyed. He, he says smack the bleep. I don't know. It just feels weird to say of that Lions' offense. But Ben Johnson, that's his problem with Ben Johnson being the permanent head coach. That's what Bud Lightyear Okay, right. Every coach is going to come out and have an A game every single game. Gotcha. I mean, I guess it would be kind of interesting if he, I, I agree, like Johnson would be a fine head yeah. coach, but like it would be funny if Steve Wilkes said, yeah, my, my defense got after the Detroit Lions offense. <laughs> so, you know, what the hell's going on? Um, Bagel guy writes in, totally disagree. If they go away from Wilkes, it will be more likely that they grab a QB and pair them together. That's his disagreement with Fitty. Fitty, you're shaking your head. Do you want to respond? Because it just, I mean, I'm just going to explain to y'all. It doesn't make sense to draft Okay. A quarterback in this draft. This man wants Sam Darn out there throwing for it's, 40 it's yards. Really it's weird. not that I want it. It's just that it doesn't <laughs> make sense. And you. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was four and two. Like, look, I get it. Had he went out there and was two and four as your starter and you, you didn't have any trust or faith that he could be marginally better, then yeah, I'd move on from him. He, he did everything that you wanted him to do. Not in that last game. But the he four, won the game. But his wins. That's he, all that matters. But the right. wins, he has so much help. I mean, that's oh, so they weren't good, winning so, because of him. So good God, man! So like, <laughs> you know, he doesn't get he doesn't deserve any credit. He just won because he had good. So he gets marginal credit. has all pros around. Patrick Mahomes does not have all pro surroundings this year, and he really proved his worth. And he made Tyreek Hill into the stud that he is today. 
But Patrick Mahomes or Stephen Coy, they're not blowing up anybody's all-time Hall of Fame list. So, so Fiddy, Fiddy moves the goalpost because what happens is I did give him credit against Tampa Bay, but according to you, they lost. Yeah. So does Sam Darnold get any credit there? According to you, no. But they won the game against the Saints, and so we're going to give him credit for that. You un- you have to understand how crazy that sounds. Like I understand you- that the man was 4-2 and two gotcha. as this team's starting quarterback and put them in a position a, to win the division. What a running back that was one of the best in the league over the over that stretch I'm just and a tell- defense that was playing well. Okay, look, if you want to have Sam Darnold as the bridge, fine. But I mean, ultimately, if you pair this team with a offensive-minded coach – I mean, I imagine they're going to want to go after somebody in the draft. Right, it's part of come in on Sam Donald. But it, but it doesn't mean that you reach. If you don't think these QBs are the guy, like if you think Anthony Richardson is never going to figure it out, same thing with Will Levis, and you don't want to trade up to go get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young because they're not going to be on the board by the time you're picking, fine. Draft the best player available. I'm cool with that. My whole thing, and I'm going to continue to say this. I'm going to just take Stetson Bennett in the fifth round. Hey, you can do that too if you want to. <laughs> That's fine. The way, I mean, he's. And he make sure he has, you know, all pros at every position like he had at Georgia to be a uh, competent quarterback. Not. Georgia did not have Versus one. Like Georgia did not have one All-American wide receiver during his tenure. Try again. Lad Brock Bowers, his best receiver. <laughs> and his best receiver is a tight end. Try again, buddy. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty good. Let me know what running back he had that, that's an NFL All-Pro. I mean, I'll wait. I mean, I mean Andre Wait. Swift looks pretty good in Detroit. Swift he was not his running the greatest, back. Uh, uh, Swift was not his yeah, running Swift back. Swift wasn't his running back. He Is wasn't. He gone by then? Yeah, yeah. he I was gone. Because Stetson's been in college for like mm-hmm. two damn decades. Yeah, yeah, well, like I said, try again, buddy. Yeah. All right, you quit calling me buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah there you buddy, go. Oh. Buddy, 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 buddy. It is getting We're ridiculous. bickering, huh? We an old oh, couple, huh? I'm, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Get it's, the rocking chairs out. All right, we, we, we barely have time for a fitting flash. Let's go to it, the second one of the day. Uh, I was going to play some uh, Sham Sharania audio, but we don't have time for that. Okay, we can get to that so later. So really man. quick, uh, we're at the midway point of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Who's your MVP? Um, Yeah. Off the top of the dome. Nikola Jokic. And I know it's crazy, but there's been one thing that has allowed him to get a little bit more steam despite him winning two because there's the MVP fatigue around Nikola Jokic considering he's won back-to-back. But when he won it last year, that team was sixth in the Western Conference standings, I believe. So this year, they're first. And Nikola is almost averaging a triple-double. He's like .5 assist away from averaging a triple-double. He just had a perfect triple-double in this most recent game. Luka, if you want to go with him, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant. Yeah, I'm going Tatum. Tatum's been excellent. Yeah, I'm going with Tatum, man. The man's averaging 31 points a game, eight boards. He's got Boston rocking and rolling, looking like the NBA championship favorite. He really looks like he's turned up after a lot of people felt like he failed in the finals last season. And it is a little bit of MVP fatigue for me with Nikola Jokic. I do think he's a spectacular player, but I don't think he's spectacular to the point of three straight MVP spectacular, if that makes sense. We'll go to the grounds for this next segment. North Carolina playing some (laughs) basketball tonight. We'll get to that in just a moment on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Sports 
Radio 92.7 WFNZ. No way. We can touch the topic we just discussed during the break with a 10-foot pole, but goodness gracious, let's just say that Wes and I are both highly disturbed yeah. at one Josh Fitty Marlowe. That is, that's a, that's a different level yeah, entirely. That's an all-timer. I mean, I I'm shook. I'm trying to I'm trying to get my senses back, but that got me, man. All right, we got to move on. I can't focus about it. Let's talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. They'll take on the Virginia Cavaliers tonight. They're going to be on the grounds playing this game. Virginia's 13th in the country. North Carolina not ranked as it stands right now. But if they win this game, they just might see themselves back in the top 25. Fiddy, I need you to get it together as well. This is your team. You have the Heel Tough uh, blog that you talk about this team, the Four Corners podcast. So what do you expect from this game? I know you're excited. Oh, this is a big one. This is, you know, Huber Davis often talks about these you know, certain games or why you come to Carolina. Tonight is one of those games on the road. At 9 p.m. And I, I don't know about you guys. I love late night games. I absolutely love it because it makes the game feel super duper important. And tonight is. It wouldn't. It might not be fair because they wouldn't be in first place, the winner of this game. But I think we can all agree that whoever comes away victorious would emerge as the team to beat in the ACC. And Carolina's got a chance to go on the road and win in a place where they haven't won since 2012. And if they get if they get a win tonight, it's the second most important regular season win of the Hubert Davis era, and it could kickstart this team getting back into the fold of being a national title contender. So Carolina it, playing this game, the last loss they had was to Pittsburgh. It's exactly the same loss that Virginia had a couple of games ago when they lost 68-65. to That was on the road against Pittsburgh. They bounced back. They beat Syracuse. They won by seven points. They won 73-66, to and now they're set up for that ESPN matchup. So both teams have very high expectations coming in. You know, Virginia's struggles have been against fifth-ranked Houston at the time. I believe now they're number one again in the poll. Miami on the road, they lost by two. They were very close, and Miami is a ranked basketball team. They lose to Pittsburgh, but the Panthers have been playing well this season. So how worried are you about Virginia in their season, or do you understand some of the losses that they've had already? Um, I am a little bit worried that they haven't beaten a, a, a true quality opponent since early in the season. Um you know, and their wins of late haven't really been against anybody. So I think this is going to be a good test for them. Uh, you know, this is the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. I mean, the Carolina leads the ACC in scoring. Virginia leads the league in fewest points allowed. Uh, this Virginia defense allowing 40% shooting from the field, 35 from three. But they forced 11 shot clock violations. That that I thought was very impressive because they've averaged 28 shot clock violations a season since 2019, man. I mean, they just make it so ugly. But like I said, they got Big Baycott coming in there, the ACC's leader in scoring and rebounding, offensive rebounding. He's playing great basketball right now. But also Virginia's getting offensive as well, man. They're averaging 70 points a game. That's the most – since 2018, since the 2018-2019 season, and that last three games, they're shooting around 45% from three, man. So this is going to be an awesome matchup. I can't wait for it as well. And I love late-night games when I don't have to do them for the ACCDN. When I'm not sitting there cutting the highlights for them, I enjoy them all the more. So yeah. I would definitely be nice and comfy with a glass of wine. 
enjoying this game. What kind of wine are you going to be drinking? Uh, a little red, you know, a little red blend. Just, okay. You know, chilling. I like the heavier stuff. The Merlots. Yeah. Sometimes okay. I'll get I'm the not a blend. wine kind of sore, but yeah. that's what I'll be having. And so who do you, it, it's, it's. It seems like you believe in Virginia a little bit more right now, considering their good losses, if there is such a thing, right? I mean, is that the team that you believe in a little bit more so because of what North Carolina has experienced? Well, that and just the fact that, like I said, Tony Bennett and the crew at home, this is kind of game I will pick based off who was at home. And I think Virginia at home, Tony Bennett, the stability he provides, the consistency, uh, I think this is a game that UVA should get it done. So, Fiddy, I know you feel good about this game. I mean, that's part of the excitement is the fact that you actually feel better about this matchup against Virginia than maybe matchups of the past because Tony Bennett, he's owned the heels. I mean, we know this. That's just how it's gone. And I know that's why you have a very strong hatred for the Virginia Cavaliers that has... He's also a coward. Look at the way he plays basketball in the modern era. Like the way they play basketball should be it should be outlawed. It should be illegal. What should be outlawed first? Zone defense under Bayheim or pack line defense under Tony Bennett? Pack line defense because wow. because I, I you know because I everyone plays a variation of a zone at some point during the year. Not everyone plays pack line defense. <laughs> because it should be illegal. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I feel really confident. And the biggest reason why is you look at both matchups last year, Carolina beat them down, 74-58 in Chapel Hill, 63-43 in the, in, in the ACC that's tournament. True. And the only really guy that's not back from these matchups is Brady Manick from Carolina. And I think this three-guard lineup has really brought out, brought out the best starting five for the Heels. I think they match up better with the way Hubert Davis wants to play. Offense, yeah. it's not going to be easy because John Paul Jones Arena, it's like the only time of year that the grounds gets loud when Carolina comes to town. It, it's it's going to be a rocking environment, but if Carolina is the team that we thought they were in the preseason and are still capable of being, which is an ACC champion, national title contender, these are games that you win. Don't we need, if you're a Carolina fan, to see a good win from them, to fully believe in them? And, and this would be that, right? Because... Right now, their best win, if you go to North Carolina, it's probably Michigan. I, I can't think of another. College of Charleston, baby. They're top 25. Those two, then. Those would be the I mean, two. I Ohio State's really good. Yeah, Ohio State's good. And I know, yeah, I guess at the time, Michigan was ranked. UNC Wilmington, they've won like 13 straight. Okay. Yeah, I Carolina mean, fan pulling out UNC Wilmington for uh, a quality win. All right. Do you think that? I mean, are, is, that, is this you... I don't know if you're being serious right now. <laughs> no, no. For the College of Charleston, I'm definitely being serious. They're going to have a resume that even if they don't win their conference tournament, they can make the field of 68 because of what they've done in the non-conference. I mean, yeah, I would probably say that Ohio State wins better than the Michigan win. Yeah. But if Carolina goes on the road and wins, and wins tonight, like I said, second most important regular season win under Huber Davis, and we can track those kind of things because he's only in his second full season as Carolina's head coach. All right, that'll do it for your preview between Carolina and Virginia tonight. Tip set for 9 p.m. on ESPN. Maybe we can give our predictions for that one a little bit later on with what's on tap. Plus, the Charlotte Hornets will be playing tonight. And you can catch that right here on 92.7 FM. That's like the most, and you're a pretty immature dude. That's probably like the most <laughs> immature thing you've ever done. It's just a fart noise. When I say a tip time for a basketball game, it's Wes and Walker. Fitty's ridiculous. Continuing on here on Sports Radio 92.7 FM.